With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. While traveling, it's usually best to pack light. When it comes to money, carrying some cash and having an alternative like Zelle is a great idea. Zelle's an easy way to send and receive money with people you trust at any U.S. bank. It's already in thousands of different banking apps, and it's money straight into your bank account in minutes fast. Look for Zelle in your banking app today. Safe travels. Put that long day behind you. Good times lie ahead. With company worth keeping. That'll bash a smile on your head. Come on in. The doors open. You'll find just the finest folks here. Pull up a chair. Grab a drink. And letting our stories your ear. Cause we're the talk, talk, talk the tavern. Here you're always welcome. The talk. Promising beer and bedlam To talk, talk, talk the tavern Music, medicine, then some To talk, talk, talk the tavern The song's over Here we come Well, good evening and welcome to uh, Talk of the Tavern Tonight's topic is food fights We'll tell you a little more about what the hell that means in a minute I want to let everybody know Perhaps a little bit of a trigger warning because we're uh, foul-mouthed, filthy bastards who's going to say all kinds of things. I can't say 90% chance likely because then Kevin just avoids it like the plague the whole night. I am your host. I am Travis Sivart, author of some incredible series that are just knocking down all kinds of records. Uh, Two in particular, Silver and Smith Chronicles. Um, which is like Indiana Jones meets Pirates of the Caribbean meets uh, Cyberpunk. And then um, also uh, Portals, which is actually my best-selling series. But anyhow, moving on from that. Oh, I di- oh disclaimer, adult show, adult language, adult topics, adult attitude, and just generally a bad attitude from me this week. So I'll try to be gentle, but I guarantee these guys over here will make sure I don't get out of hand. Let's start with our uh, foreign guest, our foreign correspondent, our foreign, ah, the Brit. Sleaze from overseas. Nice. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. I'm Kevin, the show's minority, the token Brit. Uh, this evening, I'm drinking strong back coffee uh, because it's just gone one o'clock in the morning here in the UK as we go live. Uh, although later on, I've got a couple of bottles of uh, Ghost Ship by Adnams Brewery, which is a nice 5% citrus ale that I'll be smashing my way through later. Uh, I'll be sma- smoking uh, hand-rolled drum tobacco, and I should be particularly bitter and sour. And uh, my trigger warning is that I have a fondness for using the word cunt, if I need to make Travis happy. And I shall hand over, I shall hand over to uh, someone who is as dark as my soul, my brother, Ed. How you doing, man? Hey, folks. It's me. It's Ed. Good to see everybody tonight. I'm drinking orange juice. And <laughs> I won't be gentle unless you want me to. If you need me to be gentle, I'll be gentle. <laughs> I just remember you're going to pull my hair. Really, the mustache is the only choice of what you could grab. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Stop now. manscaping so much. 
Yeah. I'm suddenly terrified by the fact that it's called a handlebar now. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I also forgot to mention my vices tonight. I've got some bourbon, but I don't know. I'll guess I'll drink some and probably some Coke. Probably won't smoke anything tonight. Just not much in the mood for it. Um, also wanted to ask of our chat here what your vices are and why you guys are throwing your vices in. I do want to remind the people listening on podcast that you can uh, join us live at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk every Monday night when we record this live for the podcast. We also, as I have mentioned, have a live studio, well, not so studio, audience via chat who will be reading off some comments and stuff from when you hear this noise. That means we're going to read some comments. And also for chat, keep in mind we're recording a podcast, so we might not get to every comment unless if it's a specially amusing or relevant, and preferably both. But, you know, we'll work with what we got. Let's see, what else? Do I have other warnings? Oh, what is that noise? Oh, that's Andrea playing with her pussy. Well done. Um, yeah, we have bonus pussy noises, too. Cool. <laughs> I love that noise. Anyhow, um, don't forget our other podcast, Stealing for Survival, which is a medieval fantasy tabletop role-playing game set of the worlds uh, that Portals is in. What else again? Uh, other podcasts, Right Night, and we got merch. I think I'm done. Okay, let's talk about the actual topic. So, food fights, or maybe it's foods fight. I don't know. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. People who fight over different foods, whether it's their favorite, whether it's allergies, whether it's intolerances or afflictions. We're just going to talk in general about food and, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. So, Kevin, you're, you've worked in the restaurant. By the way, let's give a quick raise of a glass to Pickle Lady Elizabeth. It's, what it's up, girl? Like the whole crew is here. Bonsoir. So, uh, I love her little mustache shot glass there. It's, uh... Okay, so, Kevin, you've been in the food industry for how long now? Oh, wow. Uh, if you count since I stopped actually being a chef myself, uh, getting on for about 28 years now, but I was a pro chef for 21. Very uh, pro chef, I suppose I should explain. Uh, I, so I worked at three rosette level, which is one level in the UK below Michelin star. Right, and that's a uh, fat white tire guy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just under a, just under a fat white guy. How, how do you feel having a yes. fat white guy on top of you? Well, you should know, bro. Tired. <laughs> no, I, I always pick the top. <laughs> I always looked at the Michelin uh, guy and thought, is he made of the polar opposite of white wall tires? Because he's like all white tires. I think, uh, dare I say, it may possibly have been given the age and creation and locality of Michelin as a brand. It may possibly have been racially motivated. Oh. White I knew he was going there. Yeah. 
Don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started because you're talking about racism and the French, which is going to drag me for the entire hour well off topic, as you well know, from seven years of doing the shows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah food. Did you have a quick? Did you have a question about that? So. Sure. What's some weird shit people have bitched about food? You got some stories. Oh man, everything. Literally everything. Really. People will complain. Yeah, yeah I, when it comes to bitching about food, there's literally probably nothing I haven't okay. heard. You, you, ever, know, you ever had somebody certain... complain that their salad is too green? Uh, well, the balance of a salad, like I, there's too much of this and not enough of that. Well, it's our fucking salad, you know. <laughs> And not being funny, but normally a salad has the ingredients listed. You've always got the option when you order to say, hey, would you ask the chef if you might put a bit less of that and a bit more of that? You know, this is the problem. People don't ask. Okay, here's a top tip for anybody who ever dines out anywhere. I don't care if you're going to a burger restaurant or a fancy restaurant. When you read the menu, that's the big list thing that tells you what's in the food. If you think to yourself... I'd rather that was slightly different. Then ask for that. Don't be afraid. We would rather adapt a dish for you and sell it to you, have you order it, and then fuck around complaining and sending it back because it's not what you hoped it was going to be. All right? It's well, not pick and mix. No. You are paying for a product. The reason some people might be confused by this is because there's times you order shit straight off the menu with no changes and they still get it wrong. Oh, it, okay, no, you got to bear in mind that you're talking about two different things there. That's bad service, right? right? I can't, I can't, I can't apologise for that. I can't allow for that. You know, you choose where you dine, all right? If your service is shit, by all means, fuck off and eat somewhere else, you know. But as a customer, don't be afraid to be specific if you want your food to be specific. That's what I'm saying. You know, people will order something, going, "That sounds about right." And then it turns up and it's not what they want and they go, oh, no, I'm going to complain now. Sorry, that's not right. Not right to who? I made the fucking dish. I created it. I designed it. I priced it up. I put it on the menu. If you don't like the way I've done it, tell me beforehand or ask, you know. If it's a salad and you don't like too much green leaf in it, ask, what's the proportion of green leaf in that salad? It's not a difficult question. Yes, Ed. Ed. As the creator of a dish, though, isn't it somewhat insulting when somebody wants to change it? No. I mean, you have to allow for the fact that, okay, so every chef has a style. So you could give uh, you could give four different chefs the same six salad ingredients, mm-hmm. ask them to knock up a salad, and they might chop it six different ways, use six different proportions, and create six salads that look utterly different. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you have to allow for the fact that any dish you create yourself that's not a strict classic, if you like, you know, that's always done that way, is your interpretation. And some people may not like your interpretation. They may want to change it. And I would rather adapt something and still sell that meal at that price to that customer and have them go away happy and go, do you know what? I went there and I didn't want that, so they changed it for me. I like that. I'm going to go back and eat there again rather than be pretentious and all precious about it. And you, you do get a certain element of that, especially the higher you climb in those cookery echelons. But that's because the competition is fierce. I mean, competition in catering is like that near the top. Is In fact, it's more like that. Travis. A couple of comments from chat here. Weird one <clears throat> says, uh, had someone complain that their meal was just the way they ordered it. They wanted a surprise. Um <laughs> 
Elizabeth has jumped in and agreed. <coughs> don't ask, don't get. Andrea says, I had someone get upset because the salad was too green. The lettuce was too green. And then she <laughs> says, uh, I ordered off the menu, but they added extra, not listed. And I had to send it back because it would kill me. I hate when that happens. Which that's a true story. There's been times where we mm-hmm. look very carefully at the ingredients in theory listed on the menu. And then it comes out with mushrooms that were not listed anywhere on that menu. And then, yeah. So I mean, the, mm-hmm. it, food allergens is a weird thing. Okay, the technology, the appreciation of it, the identity of the thirteen major allergens. I think it is we're on now. Um, everybody knows what they are. The packaging, the identifying. I, I can't speak for the precise standards in America because I know we probably have different food labeling standards and so on, but. You know, in the UK, any allergen that's in an ingredients list is now listed in bold, so they stand out, so they're easier to identify, and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, technology just got to the point, okay, so I, I work for a chain now. You come into my place, I have a handheld tablet like an iPad. Um, you can tap on there is the pictures for the allergens that you have, and it shows you a redacted menu with everything that's dangerous to you removed from it. So you know exactly what your choices are. So it's literally idiot proof. You know, it's it's brightly colored pictures, bosh, everything done for you. So you don't get any of this customer taking your staff's time up saying, can you tell me what's in this? Is this okay for gluten-free people? It's like easy, press the gluten-free button. Now, if you can't see it, it's not safe for you. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So, But it, you, then that's all right if you've got a chain and you've got the resources to use, utilize software like that. But if you're a mom and pop, six staff cafe in the middle of nowhere, you probably don't have access to that. So Wrong. it's become a real, well, okay, you do have access well, to it. And but- it's not unreasonably priced. I know because the Mexican restaurant I worked here in town had that available. Now, this is four years ago or something, so it wasn't quite where it is now. This was before every restaurant had it. But they would walk around with a iPhone or an Apple uh, iPad, and yeah, you could just pick out exactly what they want, and it's a matter of touching the screen to add or remove ingredients, and that was years ago, and they had this technology, they just never put it in because their cooks didn't want to learn how to read the screen instead of reading a handwritten ticket. Yeah, I mean, my my tills are set up even for instructions the kitchen you know so for any dish you can hit a button on the till that adds instant messages like with mashed potato instead of chips or you know Elizabeth says flat beers in America it's too damn common to pour a beer without any head I'm a lady I like a little head and have issues I live too far from friends to meet up for dinner okay I don't think the restaurants can help you with that part Elizabeth (laughs) (laughs) table in your front yard They'll give them time. Grub up. I've, I've done. I've done weirder stuff in the past. I've, I've made special tables appear on all kinds of weird places. Middle of a cricket pitch. That was an interesting one on the crease. Aha! Uh-huh. See, um, Wordwin there says uh, there was a place I rather liked for lunch, but everything they had on the menu had an ingredient I couldn't eat. Finally. Figured out something with a couple substitutions I could do, but the third time I ordered, the manager was like, we can't do this. 
All ingredients are measured out and factored into supply orders. My reply was, don't worry about it. This be the last time. Never went back. That's how you do it. Yeah, I, and I think, to be honest, speaking from somebody who's worked in the industry for years, you've got every right to do that work. When I, you were talking about, yeah, okay, that might actually be true, especially in a larger chain, you know, or uh, even right. when you've got a business that owns half a dozen menus, so... Um, they may well have their pricing well on point. You know, it, it makes good fiscal sense to do so. But you're also talking about, and you have to bear this in mind, the number of customers who would have that amount of limitation with your menu is minuscule compared to your turnover. Mm-hmm. So if you lose a few pence, cents, dollars, whatever, you know, whatever your currency, that's not the point. The point is, I, I would give you that meal cost I, would, I wouldn't worry if you came in once a week, twice a week into my restaurant and you ate that same damn meal every time. And every time I made it for you, I made absolutely nothing on it. Because you're buying drinks while you're there and you're coming in for dinner with your friends and I'm making money off them. And because I want to keep all my customers happy. So, yeah, damn right if they're not prepared to do that for you, walk. Because well, it, it, it's not like you and a thousand other customers have asked them to do that this week. This is what a lot of restaurants forget is, yes, sometimes it can be an annoyance. Sometimes it requires you operating outside of what you'd consider operational norms for however your restaurant runs. But it's despite the fact that people talk about, oh, allergens are everywhere these days, the media talking about allergens and awareness of allergens is everywhere, but the actual proportion of customers bringing allergens to the table, if you like, if you'll pardon the pun, is not massively increased from where it was 10 or 15 years ago. As for tuna fish sandwich without mayonnaise, sure, saying no is fine. If you ask for unbreaded fish sandwich and they've just got frozen fish fillets, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, to have something like, I want a salad with no onions, or I need my pasta over rice, or my my pasta sauce over rice instead of over noodles, or whatever. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to dress like that. But if they're just bringing everything in kind of pre-made, and they're reheating it like a lot of chain restaurants do. Yep. Yeah, there's a chance. So has anybody ever had a food fight in any place in either of you ever been in? Yeah. Uh, I was a chef for 21 years. No, I've had a food fight or two. Well, not with the employees. I'm talking with the customers. Because I know the employees oh, okay. are uh, some stuff. Uh, once or twice. Um, but you in defense or just standard excuse, there is normally vast quantities of alcohol also involved. I think I've ever been in an occasion where someone has just decided it's socially acceptable to fling food in a restaurant unless they were smashed first. See, word when there says a uh, couple of food fights during school. But yeah, I remember stuff like that, especially with just a few of kids getting into it. Um, he also had said earlier that... Uh, a place I worked at had a 10 versus 100 people rule. Happy customer will tell 10 people. Unhappy customer tells 100. And that was before the internet. Oh, did you want to huh. read your comment out loud to that there, Kevin? 
I said exactly. Yeah, it's so easy to lose a reputation and hard to gain one. And and I mean, yeah, we, I've not. It's not the ten versus hundred, but I've heard all kinds of versions of that down the years. And the the key point is, uh, yeah, but even now, especially now with with things like TripAdvisor, but um, bad news spreads fast. You know, you, you let a customer down or you give poor performance and they're going to tell everybody because let's face it, it's human nature. We like to bitch. You know, if you've ever tuned into this show at any given point in the last seven years, you will have realized that people like to come on and moan about things. It's human nature. We're not always so quick to tell everybody about every positive experience we have in our life. So it's hard for a good reputation. It takes time to get around because it takes consistency and performance to do that. It's true. It's true. Hmm. But behind the scenes in kitchens, I guarantee you there are some phenomenal food fights. On occasion, yep. Well, yeah. Especially when you find something no, gross I- that somebody else really hates. That, that usually ends up flying. Like Travis, I know I'm pretty sure Ed said he has at some point as well. You guys will watch like Monty Python at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Monty Python sketch that's called the Fish Slap Challenge? Yeah. It's basically two two guys yeah. stood by the side of a canal hitting each other with increasingly larger fish until one of them gets beaten into the canal. Yeah. Uh, uh, I and another chef reenacted that one day in a kitchen uh, with a whole range of fish. Uh, starting off uh, with a mackerel and progressing to me hitting him in the side of the head with a four-pound bass and opening a gash in his cheek with a dorsal fin. Cool. That'll do it. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) It's not the kind of fish I like to get hit in the face with. To be be fair, this was long before I became... At the top of my game, when I worked at a, at a seafront restaurant that had the amazing name of Baywatch on the beach. <laughs> mm. Where else would Baywatch be besides the beach? It's, yeah, this is a question that was drunkenly asked after work many times, never to a satisfactory philosophical conclusion. Elizabeth says, I've had issues and will be open with my server. I do appreciate managing... And so I make sure if something surprisingly good happens to tell the manager. I like to point out those responsible for the goodness and thank the manager and the worker. I've always felt that same way with, about sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's good, it's I like to make sure enough. I tell the manager. Um, yeah. So they'll let you back again. That's right. So my, my company actually have a thing that they do. Uh, it's a requirement in all of our venues. Uh, and it's called the Surprise and Delight Box. Uh, and it's basically, a, you know, like the cardboard storage boxes that you get for storing files and stuff in? Yeah. It's basically a, one of those. In it, we have things like um, little plastic children's toys and little cloth children's toys. Um we have blank birthday cards that just say generic things like wishing you a happy birthday. Uh, we have That's anniversary cards, things like that. The idea is if someone, if a customer comes in and they say, 
oh, it's George's birthday. That's why we've come in tonight. While George is having his dinner, I grab one of those blank birthday cards, whip round, all the staff sign it. And at the end, we give George a bottle of wine to take home on us with a birthday card signed by all of the staff saying, happy birthday, George. You know, or if they've got kids and the kids are crying and, they're, you know, it's spoiling the evening for the family or whatever. Hey, look, I've got a toy. Do you want to play with this? You know, it's it, we have literally a box of stuff that's designed to literally try and improve the customer's experience of dining with us. It's so much better than just walking out without pants and using that same question. <laughs> Is there anything I can do to surprise and delight you? <laughs> look at this. I got this. You want to play with this? <laughs> yeah it's just it's, it's yeah that's that's not something i offer to children yeah no. not just in the restaurant but. And, and there's a good chance <laughs> that the parents will stiff you afterwards too don't know Bob. <laughs> so it's uh I'd like to point out to anybody listening from the UK that my restaurant will be perfectly safe to come back into when the lockdown lifts on December the 3rd. We're very much looking forward to see you. And yes, we are still taking Christmas bookings by email via our website. Thank you very much. So here's an interesting topic. I like this idea. A word one says, there are times I rather wish more restaurants had a no children area. Like a no-smoking area. Well, of course, all restaurants now are pretty much no-smoking. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah. people find this very offensive. And I'm like, nope, I would even pay extra nope. for nobody under drinking age allowed in the building. Yep. <laughs> it's, I've, I've seen it done. Really? Uh, it, it can be done, and it can be done very effectively, but generically speaking, unless you can afford to limit the customer base, it's normally done by having a section in a much larger establishment rather than having an establishment exclusively non-children. Um, if you've got, for example, a building with a central bar that's split into two halves, I've seen it done with families in one side and over 18s only in the other side. Uh, right. The restaurant I worked at for many years, um, well, about seven years, the, the sort of peak of my career, the restaurant rather than the pump bar. So the pump bar was like the everyday food. The posh restaurant had, a, I think it was 14, over 14 only, uh, just because some of the dishes contain trace amounts of alcohol. You know, some of the sauces have alcohol right. that's not denatured and stuff. So in order to be able to dine, you've got to be, by British law, over a particular age, even just to consume that minimal amount of alcohol and stuff. So, wow. yeah, there's reasons and, and there's reasons for doing it. Um, and it can be quite effective, to be honest. Yeah, there are a, there is a section of people. That's a great... This. That's a great idea, and uh, Weirdwin there says, for the longest time, I think this is valid too, one of my favorite places for lunch was a strip club. The catered buffet was top-notch and no kids. And I've had other friends who would uh, go to the strip club for buffet. Mm -hmm. buffet. <laughs> that, that was their excuse. <laughs> it's uh, But yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with even if it's just topless servers and you're not doing it to attract the creepers, you're doing it to keep the kids out. I'm sorry, there's titties and booze. You're not allowed in. 
<laughs> they could even have topless men, but please. I, I, I was going to say, I can't, think of, I can't think of a better way to advertise to children in somewhere that they want to desperately try and sneak into it. Hmm. That children try to sneak into the strip club? Oh, no, I mean into a restaurant that oh, says it's okay. got titties and booze. Oh. No, you think it would only be ones like are, who are weaned or unweaned that would be trying to sneak in? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea says, I used to be a cook at a strip club for lunch. Some of the dancers were close to being a kid, high school during the day, and dance at night. And uh, they'd have business lunches during the day. Weirdwind says, I wasn't allowed there at night, but I was okay with lunch. They didn't, like, let you in at night? <clears throat> Can I go back to Andrew's comment? Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to hear more about what kind of business lunch a high school stripper has. <laughs> Like, who, who are they meeting for a business lunch? What kind of tax-deductible meeting is taking place there? I'm, I'm just curious. I'm, I would like more details on that. Huh. Hmm. No, that, is, that is a fine question. It's a... So... Uh, probation officer, maybe. What are the twelve allergies or thirteen sins or whatever it was? Oh man, don't 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 ask me to list all of them. Okay, well I know we got like soy and nuts no. and fungus. Yeah, I mean there's there's multiple different types of nuts, mushrooms, um, shellfish, shellfish, floral. Not so much, no. Uh, oh man. Trying to think now, put me on the spot. Ah, apparently, uh, Wordwin's office manager worked at that strip club part time at nights, and for some reason, he was the only one she put on the blacklist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they weren't having the business lunch, they were the dancers, and... <laughs> they were the buffet because. Because nothing says classy executive business lunch like a high school stripper gyrating inches away from your pizza. Hmm. Uh, uh -huh. uh, they'd order the fish dish. The others would order the sausage dish. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I would never if go you to wanted a, If you wanted to share a for two, you could always have one that's called the Double Entendre. Hmm, there we go. The surf and turf. Get a little fish, get a little beef. It's enough for everybody there. I think we've taken that line of conversation about as far as we dare to. I don't know. Well, not as far as we dare to. That's right. It's uh, perhaps beyond the uh, realm of good taste, if you will. So, okay. With, with the allergy thing, we've all had a friend or known somebody who claims to have a level of 
dislike of something, but to make it easier, almost a coward's way out instead of just going, hey, I don't like that. Can you not put that on? They're like, I'm allergic. It's horrible. It'll kill me. And it'll make my like, dog yeah, shit yeah. for a week. What? I think it's a more extreme example of what I was saying at the top of the show. It, it's just being too afraid to say, I don't like that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I, I, people come on with, uh, because we know that there are certain things there are no allergic food reactions to, right? Yes, there's some questionable gray areas still that are being researched. I think any of your food most is chefs would, gray, it's probably a warning sign anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't eat that. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. But uh, the... Uh, uh, the catering trade, no, we're not stupid. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we've heard. I've got an allergen too, and there is no allergen to it. You're making it up. You know, some of it is obvious. Some of it, it's a bit, mm, possibly, you know. Like the one guy um, that went into the fancy restaurant the, you're working at, and he was like, yeah, I do not want the silverware. I have the allergy. Mm. Ah, ah, ah. Boo. Oh. Boom, boom. Hmm. And they're like, there's no such thing. Actually, I guess there could be, because there are people that are allergic to certain metals. Curiously, it does, it has a strong preponderance or a strong leaning towards particular vegetables. Some people just don't like vegetables or some kinds of vegetables. Oh. So I've heard that a lot. The, the amount of broccoli allergies in the world are phenomenal. <laughs> broccoli allergies, huh? Yeah, I've never seen anyone come out in a broccoli rash, so I can only assume it's a bit like paralytic shellfish poisoning, and it kills you within four hours of the onset of the symptoms. Because I've never actually seen anyone survive to walk around going, "Look at this horrendous broccoli rash." No. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a cynic, because I am. I usually pronounce it different, but you can use the word cynic instead. Uh... Ed, what about you and the food fight thing? I don't have an allergy to it. I fucking hate liver. And I don't care how you cook it. I'm not going to like your liver. Everybody says, you'll like my liver. I'm not going to like your damn liver. Texture. I hate liver. Is it a hmm? texture thing instead of a flavor thing? It's a deep blood taste. Can't. Mm-mm. Mm, no. Andrea says I have a reaction to uncooked carrots. I'm wondering if it's a uh, <laughs> an excited reaction. It, uh, I don't know. Here's, here's a random. Here's a random tip for you. Cook your carrots in orange juice and vodka. No, yeah. drink the vodka while you wait for the carrots to cook. Just neat, drink the vodka in neat shots. That's my recommendation. Absolutely down for consuming the vodka. Just don't waste it in the pan. I went out yeah, to eat a month or two ago, and I ordered a whiskey neat. And the people I was eating out with, they're like, oh, wow, listen to you. <laughs> that guy brought me a glass, you know, not this big, smaller than this, topped with ice with a <laughs> shot of whiskey in it. And I'm just like... <laughs> Yeah. It's 
I don't think anybody understood what I meant when I said whiskey neat. I'm like, is that is that is is that phrase so out of style now, so gone that nobody understands it in the bartending industry anymore? Because it wasn't a young uh, well, kid. I, not in not in the UK. I can't speak for America, but I think most British barmen would automatically know that you meant with absolutely nothing in when you say neat. Yeah, my thought is if I wanted something in it. I'll pull my straw out of my water and drop a few drops of water in and call it done. Mm -hmm. I miss the good old days. When I, when I was a kid and I was first having my first illegal pints, when you, if you ordered a neat whiskey in an English pub, it automatically came with a ceramic jug of water. Really? In fact, bre breweries and whiskey manufacturers especially would have branded ceramic jugs made so that when water was brought to you to go with your whiskey in your glass, it was in a branded thing that advertised their brand of whiskey. Cool. Nice. It's a, that's a tradition that's long gone now, but was commonplace in pretty much every pub when I was a child. How big was the jug? Hold about a pint, I suppose. They weren't, they weren't big because clearly, you know, you weren't expected to be putting a vast amount of water with your whiskey. It was a courtesy to give you that much. Well, I wasn't sure if it was like coffee creamer carafe size. You know, where no, they were they like were a decent ounces. size. I think the, the concept was, you know, if you had four of you all sat around and you all had a whiskey, the, the one jug would have done enough for four of you probably. Or you could have one and then it would, it would sit next to you and they didn't have to keep bringing you a fresh one because you could have a few drinks without needing to top the water up. A couple of comments here is uh, Andrew, of course, talked about carrots before. I have a reaction to uncooked carrots. I love carrots, just have to cook them. Um, says, I have cooked them in orange juice before. I think you're the one that suggested it to her years ago. And then I'm not sure what she was responding to, but she says, all they hear is blah, blah, alcohol. Oh, me ordering it neat. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's true. It's uh... But also, I wasn't sitting at a bar ordering. I, I'm like, I'm... And I ordered Jameson's because I knew they're going to have that as a mid-shelf alcohol. You know, if you go too high, and I just, I definitely didn't want the well whiskey. I always say to, I always say to all my bar staff that you need to keep your pace steady but slow. You know, don't ever rush and always listen to the customer's order carefully, because food wastage is calculated differently to alcohol wastage, or at least it is in the UK. Again, I can't speak for how the financial system works over there, but uh, if I lose food, I lose it at what it costs me to buy in. You know, so if I buy, say I say I lose a portion of pie, a ready-made pie, to me, that's probably 80 pence. You know, it's less than a pound a portion, and I'm selling it to you for three, four, five, whatever, you know. Right. Um, so I'm losing... ATP. If I lose a shot of alcohol, that's calculated sale price. So if I'm charging you one pound thirty for that shot, I'm losing one pound thirty. Which is why, if a customer comes to me with a complaint, the first thing I do is offer them coffee and dessert on the house. That will cost me pennies on the pound compared to offering them a round of free drinks, which is going to cost me more money. Fair point. And the biggest amount of wastage in the bar trade isn't drop drinks or smash bottles like you might think. It's fucking up customer orders. <laughs> I'm sorry, I asked for, you've given me orange juice, I asked for pineapple juice. Or, you know, I, I asked for 
the pink tonic and you've given me this instead or you know wrong mixers putting ice in drinks they didn't want them in stuff like that then you've got to remake it and i end up with wastage and yes that's recorded and factored in but that's where the biggest amount of wastage is andrew and i went out and she ordered a specialty drink something they had on special in the restaurant and it was you know some kind of martini like a, a blackberry martini or something and she asked for no garnish because the garnish was a lemon, not wedge, but a slice or a or. And she's like, "I don't want that." And they brought it out with it, or and with, with it, and and she's like, "Yeah, I don't want that. I'm not going to drink it within that. I don't want it on the edge of this. Please take it back. Make me a new one." They left, came back, handed her another drink. It had seeds. From the thing they had taken off the side and thrown away in the mm-hmm. bottom of the drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's when we're like, this this isn't fresh. At this point in time, mm-hmm. why don't you get the manager? Just take that off the, off the bill and we're good. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, one of those things where you're like, guess it's just not worth going again. Or yeah. if, if not, we're just not going to trust that which, by the way, so everybody knows, that was Outback Steakhouse, where you don't expect a lot out of them. But considering they're a chain, you think something as simple as, don't garnish my drink, would be pretty easy to cover. You just feel like it's not listening. Kennedy says, I asked for a burger. You gave me Beef Wellington again? No, I've never had Beef Wellington. I'm guessing that's burger. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's not. And Travis, you're missing out. Immediately get online the moment this show finishes. Find the nearest restaurant to you that sells a Beef Wellington and go and buy one. Tell me how much it costs you and I will back, I'll back you the fucking money for it. I'll throw in PayPal or Patreon or something for you. Go and buy yourself a Beef Wellington if you've never eaten one in your life. What the hell have you been doing yourself, man? Not seeing it on a menu. (laughs) Yeah, it might not be going to the, you know, they're thinking filet mignon is the... It's it's unlikely to be in an Outback Steakhouse, let's put it that way. Right. I'm guessing I'm going to a Ruth Crisp or something like that. Yeah. I have no idea, but that's the fancy big you know, where you're for for your sirloin you're gonna spend fifty dollars, for your ribeye you're spending seventy dollars, and for a flamignon you're putting down a hundred dollars for a six ounce. And that's yeah, exactly. It's gonna I'm like I can't imagine the food tastes that much better that paying four to five times the price you would anywhere else is worth it. And I don't imagine the atmosphere is all that good. Andrew's just given me a new lockdown crusade. She's just messaged me in chat and said that there is no place near you that has beef Wellington. (laughs) I'm bored. I'm stubborn. And I'm on lockdown. I'm going to find Virginia's beef Wellington. And, Hmm. uh, Kennedy that sounds has, nasty. What? What did he just type there? She's going to find Virginia's beef Wellington. I start meeting little flaps. Uh, Kennedy says <laughs> it's made with beef tenderloin. It's actually filet mignon wrapped in Parma ham 
in and inside a puff pastry. It's also if you're doing the full version, uh, so you toast bread and then you spread mushroom du sel and pate on top of the bread in so you have a layer of mushroom du sel, then a layer of pate, and you sit the beef on top of that before you encase it in the puff pastry. Yeah, I have to agree with Andrea. She says, I think it'd be just cheaper to fly Kevin here to make it for me. Done. <laughs> yeah. It's, you can bring Fred with you if you want. We don't mind. We've got a spare room just you, for him. Oh. And he has a cute he around accent when he meows. On cue, on cue, he's wandered off. You wonder if he meows, our cats would look at him like, what kind of fucking accent was that? <laughs> Quite possibly, he's got the weirdest meow as well for a, a guy, a cat that spent most of his life semi-feral and is quite big and a badass. He's got a pathetic mew. Yeah, you, know, you see that? All these, it, it, yeah, but he can't meow properly to save his life. If he was a, if he was a lion, he would have had the shit kicked out of him when he was young. I think cats all have the same size voice box, and the bigger they are the tighter it stretched, so the higher pitched it is. Because our smaller cats are like, dude. And our big 20-pounder is like, hey. Yeah, it really seems it's to just the like. The big gay owl of the cat world. No, no, just, no, no, say, you know, just high pitched, just high pitched. And whereas, you know, I almost said our ladies' cats are just like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Andrea, you don't have to worry about mushrooms because if I make it for you, I won't put any in. You can make do sell out of all kinds of stuff anyway, so that's easily adapted. I know what I usually make a deuce out of. Huh. A deuce, it's a reduction of very finely diced vegetables in cream. So it's ah. it's almost as thick as a pate because you cook off almost all the liquid. So it's like a very thick puree. Interesting. It's, uh, so it has nothing actually to do with dropping a deuce at all. No. In, no, it's a French word. D-U-X-C-E-L-L-E, I believe it's spelled. Deuce is a French word, too. It is. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. Ooh la la. Okay, Andrea's asking us to book a flight. <laughs> Should we pay our homeowner's well, taxes? Well, it, it'd be... It'd be, it would actually be it'd be cheaper if we all chip in to bring me there right, than both of you to come here. That's what we were saying. Book a flight for you to come here. and uh, It'll happen eventually. I'll make it to America one day. I have plans. I, I'm curious now. <laughs> but do, do you want to share your plans? Yeah, maybe. I, I, there's a couple of things I'd like to do. I mean, obviously, I would, one of the main driving reasons is that I'd really like to come and see you guys because uh, I've never been to America, which would be another particularly good reason as well. It's another country across off the list. Right. Uh, but I've got a couple of other friends over there. My childhood best mate that I grew up with here on the island uh, lives in Portland. Right. Uh, and so I, I kind of, and then there's, uh, uh, there's another Kevin crew. Um, who I'm friends with on Facebook, who uh, lives not far north uh, towards Seattle. So uh, I kind of might try and include a trip across to the Portland area as well to try and catch up with Damien 
And if possible, create one of those iconic moments where we get two Kevin Crews from 4,000 miles away in the same place at the same time for a beer together. Um, where do one like you to specify which Portland? <laughs> Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Oregon. And Kennedy says, America wants you to come here. <laughs> I, do, do I need to look to see how come was spelled? Oh, no, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, okay. In that case, I'm down for it. I would love to. I, I, I've always said I'd quite like to go to the States. Um, um, something that's been sort of conjectured many times over the years and just never seems to have happened, but it, it's on the cards, hopefully, for sooner rather than later now. Oh, I was about to ask, what are you talking about? But yeah, we're still on the same topic, aren't we? Yeah. I thought you were opening. I thought you were segueing into something. There. <laughs> no. Uh, so let's see here. What else can we talk about with this uh, food fight topic? I think we're kind of ran through the uh, paces here. So I'll tell you what, we'll wrap up this episode of Talk of the Tavern. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um Thank everybody for all those bits that they threw. You know who you are. As well as everybody who followed, hosted, rated, etc. I want to thank everybody who watched and listened via podcast. Probably more likely listened, because watching is boring when you're on a podcast. And I also remind you folks that you can email us at talkofthetavernshow at gmail.com. And I'll play some outro music, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for joining us in the discussion shenanigans tonight. You are the one thing that makes the show what it is. Don't forget to join us at the tavern next week. Until then, have fun, keep learning, and be good to one another. Now, raise your glass in good cheer. Enjoy the small moments every day and steamy dreams every night. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with carrier. Products sold separately.